0: We are in a mini-series heading, Lord willing and weather permitting, toward a maxi-series on the life of Joseph starting in April. But we're working through some major uh, issues that all TPFers should know about, and we come to Jehovah's Witnesses today. Now, if I had to say what I'm going to say in a sentence in the next 45 minutes, I would say this way what I'd like you to know. The Jehovah's Witnesses represent... A historically recent organization based on when Charles Taze Russell, the original founder, first published his magazine as 1881. That's not that long ago in historical terms. So the Jehovah's Witnesses represent a historically recent organization which claims to be the restoration of the true original form of New Testament Christianity, but which actually denies clear Major teachings of the New Testament—that's the big idea we're going to emphasize today. Now, last week we talked about Islam, and we looked at some numbers about world religions, and actually used a pie chart. But this is kind of just a, a graph—I uh, not graph, I uh, just a simple chart with numbers on it. According to religious study scholars, now watch this: religious study scholars are not preachers, are not theologians, are not exegetes. They are sociologists who study religious people. So when uh, religious studies scholars, including those at the Pew Institute where I get my numbers, I think it's the best place to get accurate numbers, when they look at Christianity, they include anybody who self-identifies as Christian, including the white identity movement who wants to kill people like me who has black friends, uh, including uh, Latter-day Saints, including Jehovah's Witnesses, which based on what we're going to see, the Jehovah's Witnesses represent a recently uh, originated movement in history that claims to be the restoration of the original form of Christianity but which denies the major tenets of Christianity. So that's a big number. 2.34 and it's 7.5 billion. Billion with a B. What, what does that mean? A billion is a thousand million. That, so that's a, it's a big number. right? So the, according to religious studies scholars at Pew, just like the same thing you sit in at most churches you've got a pew, it's called the Pew Institute. Uh, Christians make up about, about a third, just less than a third of world population, 2.3 billion. Uh, Islam, we looked at last week, 1.8 billion. Put that on a pie graph, pie chart, and you got that. And so, you know, you've got the same numbers. So, people who identify as Christians in the sociological sense make up about a third, just less than that. People who embrace Islam make up just less than a fourth. Now, I know Mimi, uh, in sharing time, because my wife's in sharing time, and she tells me what people say say very accurately. She writes it all down. Uh, Mimi was a little confused about that number, and that, I'm glad. That is a shocking number. I mean, that is really a shocking number. Out of the 7.5 billion people in the world, only, Clay, 0.2. That's 15 million people. That, that's a teeny-weeny slice See that right there? I'm not sure what color that is. i come colorblind. It's a teeny, weeny slice. So I wanted to mention that. You know, last week we showed this uh, pie chart so you could look at what what Muslims have, how much of the pie they make up. But here's the thing. In 2001, talking about 15 million out of 7.5 billion, you're an engineer. You're good with numbers. You know 15 million is nothing when you're comparing it to 7.5 billion. It's 0.2%. Time Magazine in 2001 had an issue, the 100 most important people of the 20th century. And that group of people that make up 0.2% of the world population, 14, according to Time, uh, 14 of them were Jewish. This is even more amazing, Jack. Of all the Nobel Prizes ever given, and that includes uh, science, medicine, the arts, everything, this 0.2% of world population, has won one-fourth, 25% of all the Nobel Prizes. So, you know, God tells Abraham, uh, I'm going to give you a land, a seed, and a blessing, and I'm going to make you and your seed a blessing to the world, ultimately through Jesus Christ, but in a lot of other ways, too. So I was really proud of Mimi for kind of being shocked at that number, that percentage, and but that is the correct number, 0.2. So you've got about 15 million people Jew- that are Jews today. Uh Less than 7 million of them live in Israel. You've got more Jews living outside of Israel than living inside of Israel. Less than 50%. So just interesting facts about that. But before we look at Jehovah's Witness uh, theology and what they teach and and what they believe, uh, let's pray for teachability to this information. And I'm not as interested in you knowing 35 facts about Job witnesses this morning as I am you thinking clearly about the gospel and clearly about kind of the essential doctrinal tenets we believe and Christianity has always taught so that you can recognize counterfeits. Uh, you know enough about a hundred dollar bill. You know, some people think Benjamin Franklin is our favorite president because Benjamin Franklin's on a hundred dollar bill. But the problem is I like hundred dollar bills too. If you have any spares, you know, I'm glad to take them off your hands. But he wasn't a president right? He was just a distinguished founding father. But uh, you may or may not know that, but I don't think if somebody tried to pay you for services rendered with a $100 bill that had Mickey Mouse instead of Benjamin Franklin, I think he would recognize there's something wrong with that. You need to be able to look at what the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying about God, Jesus, salvation, and just about everything, and realize this is not the restoration of New Testament Christianity. It's the distortion and destruction of New Testament Christianity. So that's the idea today, not so you will be an expert on Jehovah's Witnesses necessarily. But let's pray we'll be teachable to the Spirit as he teaches us through this, hopefully. And let's also pray for those who protect and serve us, our military peace officers and firefighters. And so Stan, would you, uh, Heath, lead us in prayer in that direction? Okay, to warm up our capacity for abstract thought. I want to look at interesting prayers by little kids. This is like one of my favorite pictures of Cooper when he was littler. And we are in a Chick-fil-A in Tulsa. And that's me looking over my shoulder at him as he is clutching. It almost looks like a good golf grip almost, you know, kind of an interlocking golf grip on that ice cream cone. Uh, These are interesting prayers by little kids. Dear God, please put another holiday after Easter and before Christmas. There's nothing good in there now. Dear God, do you draw the lines around the countries? And if you don't, who does? He wants to know. Uh, Dear God, is my pastor really a friend of yours, or does he just know you through his job? (laughs) Finally, uh, dear God, this is Jimmy. Thank you for my new baby sister, but what I prayed for was a new puppy. Yeah, I'm not uh, wanting you to be a certified expert on Jehovah's Witnesses 40 minutes from now. I would like you to realize how different what they're saying is from what we're saying and what the Christian church of all colors, countries, and cultures have said from the get-go about Jesus Christ and about the gospel. Paul says in the theme verse of the whole book of Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, the gospel is the truth, that because Christ died for our sins, we don't have to die in our sins. Christ died for our sins. He, Everything necessary to make me good enough in God's sight to go to heaven, Jesus Christ b- bought and paid for on the cross. Uh, all I've got is Jesus. That's the only thing I've got that could possibly make me good enough to go to heaven because he paid my sin debt, and when I trusted him for that, he gave me a righteous legal standing. I do not live a perfectly righteous life, and neither do you. But the gospel is the fact that Christ died for our sins. He paid our sin debt. He bore our sin in his body on the tree. He who knew no sin was made to be a sin offering for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But he's not dead anymore. Literal bodily supernatural resurrection. Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe the body of Christ was resurrected, that only his spirit is resurrected, his body was destroyed. That's a serious problem. Found this slide this week. Uh, George Whitfield was one of the uh, catalysts of the first great, uh, great awakening in American history, a British preacher. And I love this. And I, this is where I am. Other men may preach the gospel better than I, but no man can preach a better gospel. And isn't that, isn't that a great quote? I'd never heard that before. So we're going to say a few uh, background bits of information about Jehovah's Witnesses, but we'll focus on uh, the seven absolute, irreducible, minimum doctrinal truths of historical Christianity and compare what Scripture says about those to what Jehovah's Witnesses say about those. So uh, you've seen this before, but uh, we're going to talk about what Scripture says about God generally, about Christ specifically, about who we are. We're GIs, guilty with an inability to save ourselves. What Christ did, substitutionary atoning sacrifice, paying our sin debt, validated by His literal bodily supernatural resurrection. Boom. Uh, what we must do to access what Christ did, active, receptive trust, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What must I do to be saved? Acts 16.30, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because of who He is and what He did, and thou shalt be saved what Christ will do, literal second advent in history in God's terms, and what the scripture is. I realize those are the essential doctrinal teachings of Christianity. Uh, Those are the ones we stress here because we have Christians from a wide variety of denominational backgrounds. You can get much more specific on those things than theologians do, but we stress those as as our baseline. And all the denominations historically have embraced those. Some are so liberal now they've jettisoned them. Some are so far to the right, they've, they've changed them. Uh, but basically, it's always those core essentials that have held Christians of all colors, countries, cultures, generations, denominations together. And that's what we're going to look at and compare to what Jehovah's Witnesses are saying. So there's our baseline description. Let's look at some specific uh, bits of data, statistics. This is from Pew Institute from 2015. I told you not to call me during church. I think that's uh, somebody trying to sell me something. I hope that I don't need. Uh, according to Pew, about 70% of U.S. Americans f- five years, four years ago, claimed to be Christian. And notice they break it down. They include Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses because they're uh, sociologists who study uh, religious people. That's what religious studies scholars do. God bless them. But notice evangelical Christians. Evangelical Christians are those who believe the Gospels, the core of Christianity, not their denomination. That diagram I just showed you, and the gospel's at the core of that. Euangelion is the Greek word for gospel. Notice, we're 25.4%. We're one-fourth of U.S. population, self-proclaimed. So why isn't the culture any different? It ought to be a lot different, because we could have a huge impact if we kind of be more consistent and more involved. Jehovah's Witnesses, who are part of that group, according to their definition, make... Uh, less than 1%, 0.8% of U.S. population. Uh, what you want to know is how about, what's the deal in Oklahoma, right, Mimi? That's what you're wondering. Because that first slide was United States as a country. This is us as a state. We do much better, uh, than, uh, the national average, 70% roughly. We're at 79%, uh, self-identified as Christians. 47% say they're evangelical Protestants. I don't, I think some of these people lie about these things, but, uh, that's what the numbers show. So that's kind of encouraging. And then if you look just at Jehovah's Witnesses, based on Pew's stats in the United States, uh, yeah, they're about uh, 0.8%. Now, This is an amazing thing. Pew is always going to give you a bigger number because they're not theologians. They just ask people to self-identify. If you go to jw.org, talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses, guess what group owns and operates jw.org? That's their official uh, website. They say there's only 1.2 million, and I bet you, which is more accurate, I bet you that number is based on people who have answered surveys either on the phone or on the Internet or uh, on paper. These are the people that are actually knocking on doors multiple times a week because Jehovah's Witnesses only consider those folks really Jehovah's Witnesses. So it's interesting. That's like 50% difference, actually more than that, isn't it? So you'll get different numbers there. So they're out there. Now watch this. This is actually a, a snip from the Jehovah's Witness website, jw.org. And when it talks about how many Jehovah's Witnesses are worldwide, they say basically 8.5 million, a little bit more than 8.5 million. And that's people knocking on doors. If Pew did it, it'd probably be 12 million, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, their numbers are always going to be a little bit different. But uh, they're out there, and so let's think about them. There are two men that were... Uh, associated with the founding of this organization. Uh, the original founder, Charles Taze Russell, published uh, the Watchtower magazine for the first time in 1881 when he died. The organization was led by another guy uh, named Joseph Rutherford. Now, he had been like a small claims court in some small town for six weeks temporarily, but he really liked the ring of the name Judge just like, I like the, I like the ring of the name Colonel. Now, I never did any active military duty. I, I, I did do one year Army ROTC University of Houston. We had no terrorist attacks that year. So I want you to know that. But if you want to call me the Colonel, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. But uh, anyway, we always call, or they called Joseph uh, Rutherford Judge because he technically was a judge for a short period of time. Uh, the scripture they use, and this is important, is called the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. Do not use their Bible if they come to your house. You have a Bible, it's your house, you have the right to get a real Bible to use, not theirs. Theirs was a retranslation translation of the original English text, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, of the King James uh Edited to read more consistently with their theology. It's not a legitimate Bible. It's not a legitimate translation. It's not all wrong, but it's more of a commentary than a translation. So just don't use the Bible they're using if, to, when you interact with them. And I hope you will, actually. But just be aware of that. And even if you got their Bible, you can't figure out what it means. And they, individual Jehovah's Witnesses can't figure out what it means. The only people who know who, who it means is the governing body in Brooklyn, New York. And the official name of the organization is the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. You cannot figure out what the Bible means by reading it. They have to tell you what it means. All right. Now, uh, the battle cry of the Reformation was uh, "Sola Scriptura, Sola Christus, Sola Fides." Sola Scripture. Only is Scripture. We don't need church tradition or the Pope to tell us what it means. We just need Christ to save us and we're saved by faith alone. They're getting between, the organization is all you need. You don't need a Bible. They've given you a Bible that reads closer to what they're going to tell you it means. But uh, just be aware of that. That's, that's dirty pool if you let them use their Bible. Concept of God. They believe in one God and one person and his name is Jehovah. And unless you call on the name of the Jehovah, of Jehovah and use that word, it ain't going to work. The Trinity, according to them, was an error uh, promoted after the death of the apostles. So they are Unitarians. They believe in one God and one person. They believe the Trinity is a, is a heretical error, and that Christianity, since right after the apostles, is an apostate false religion because we believe in things like the deity of Christ and the Trinity. Okay? Uh, Jesus is, was not God. He's not the Son of God. He was the first created being. Known in the Old Testament as Michael the Archangel, and then God the Father morphed Jesus from an angel to a human being during his ministry on earth okay, so let's kind of unpack some of those issues first, one God, his name is Jehovah. this is from j w dot org their website uh why do we uh, until 1931 they were called as, they were just known as the Bible students, but in 1931 they changed the name to Jehovah's Witnesses. Why they changed the name? Because it identifies our God. That's what they say. According to the ancient manuscripts, God's name Jehovah, the ancient manuscripts don't say anything about Jehovah. They have Adonai or they have Yahweh. Appears thousands of times in the Bible. In many translations this name has been replaced by titles such as Lord or God. Now it's always translated capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's wrong. They made two mistakes already. Uh, yet the true God had revealed himself to Moses by his personal name, Jehovah, saying, this is my name forever. Uh, in this way, he distinguishes himself from all false gods. We're proud to bear God's holy name. Now, I'm not going to read it to you, but I put an insert into your notes about uh, is Jehovah the correct name for God? And just and you can read that at your leisure. Hopefully not now, because I'm going to be talking up here for another 35 minutes. But um, here are some... Generic, not necessarily even religious sources listed. Encyclopedia Britannica says the Masoretes, these were Jewish copyists in the 6th to 10th century AD, uh, worked to reproduce the original text of the Hebrew Bible. When they were copying it, they replaced the vowels for the name Yahweh, that's God's personal salvation name, not Jehovah Yahweh, with the vowel signs of Adonai or Elohim. That artificial name came to be Jehovah. And what they did was they didn't want to ever flippantly or irreverently or less than uh, properly pronounce the word Yahweh. So when they wrote YHWH in Hebrew, they put the vowels from Adonai with that word to remind you that's Yahweh, but don't say Yahweh. We don't want to accidentally say it in less than a perfect way. Just say Adonai, but we all know it's saying in the text Yahweh. So when the English translators uh, in the earliest translations into English was probably the 1500s, 1600s, see that Hebrew expression when you got Yahweh, the consonants, but with the vowels for Adonai to tell Jewish readers that says Yahweh, but don't say Yahweh, say Adonai. They put that together like it was a real form, and you end up with Jehovah. That's become a fixed term in some English hymns and even some English Bibles, and that's okay. But to say Jehovah is the only legitimate name for God when it's just as uh, one of these sources says says uh, it's an artificial composite of the vowels for the real covenant name for God, uh, of the consonants for that name, and the vowels for Adonai, so you wouldn't incorrectly or irreverently pronounce the word Yahweh. So that's it's just false on its base, and it's one of the main things they stress. Uh, they don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in the deity of Christ. The Bible doesn't teach there's three gods. It teaches one God and three persons, co-equal, co-eternal. Uh, the passage in Deuteronomy here, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord is one. That's Ahad. And that's the same word in Hebrew that's in Genesis 2.24. Talking about Adam and Eve, the two shall become a hod flesh. Talking about the marital act. It's not talking about them becoming one person with two heads. It's just talking about a composite unity. That's true for the Trinity. And then this is a, a summary of the first 14 verses of John. We kind of used it as a, a motif in the Life of Christ Z series. Uh, he was in the world. And the world had been made through him, but the world didn't know him. He came unto his own, the Jewish people, as the God-man Savior. Most of those didn't receive him. But to each individual who does receive him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God to those who believe on his name. So they're obliterating the deity of Christ. They don't believe he's anything but an angel who becomes a human being and nothing more than that. They don't believe that he's uh, a God in the flesh. They don't believe that God exists in three persons, uh, that he's just in one person. So that's that's not original Christianity. That's, that's, new stuff. That's not correct. Let's think about the Holy Spirit. We talked about their conception of Jesus. This is really interesting. Uh, they don't believe the Holy Spirit is a person at all. Now what's, what's the difference between a person and a force, Jack? Think about this. Gravity is, gravity's is real, but gravity's not a force, not a person. It doesn't have mind, will, and emotion. You're real, you're a person. You've got mind, will, and emotion, right? Is electricity real? Is electricity a force? Is electricity personal? It doesn't have mind, will, and emotion. They believe the Holy Spirit is just a reference to God, Jehovah's God's projected power, okay? It's just it's a reference to him uh, manifesting his power, just a projection of what he wants to have happen. Now, this is from JW.org. You, if you're a theologian, you know we're in trouble when it says, what is the Holy Spirit? Why do I think that's a problem? It's not using who. What is the Holy Spirit? Now, bust their hearts. They kind of accommodate. They kind of humor us. They capitalize Holy Spirit because they know we Trinitarian uh, uh, hypocrites, uh, heret- heretics believe it and all that stuff. But watch. This is, And you can listen to it on audio too if you want to. But we can just read it here. Here's the Bible's answer. You see the difference there, Sue? What is the Holy, capital H, capital S, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lowercase, he's not a person, he's not God. It's God's power in action, his His active force. God sends out his spirit by projecting his energy to any place to accomplish his will. And uh, that's what that is. Sometimes they'll say, well, the reason that's true is because the word in the original Greek New Testament, uh, Hagias is a neuter noun. So it can't be a he or she. But the Greek word for hand, care, In the New Testament Greek is feminine in gender, and that's whether you're talking about Mary, Magdalene's hand, or Peter, James, or John's hand. Grammatical gender, as opposed to biological sex, is subjective, okay? It's just a convention, okay? We used to refer to things of beauty, like ships sailing across the ocean in the feminine gender, but then we found out that offended some people, so now we just call it an it. But it never was a her. Boats aren't her. You know, she sails beautifully. That's the way we used to refer to sailing ships, but that didn't make the ship a person. You know what I mean? So that argument that the Greek word for spirit is neuter doesn't prove anything about the reality of the spirit. Uh, We know you can grieve the spirit. Can you grieve gravity? Does gravity ever feel sad? Does gravity ever have a bad day? It's 9.8 meters per second every day, all day long. That's because God's so faithful. Jesus maintains that for us. Um, How about electricity? Does electricity make decisions? No, it just kind of flows downhill or whatever based on, you know, right? But, I mean, I will say this. If you're looking for luck, if you're looking for luck, don't suck on your fingers and stick it into the uh, into the wall socket because you'll have a real close existential experience with gravity and gravity with and gravity, <laughs> electricity at that point. Now, we're getting into some real serious heresy if we haven't been already. Jesus' death doesn't forgive sins, doesn't save anybody from personal sins, but it does give people the opportunity to earn salvation based on merit accrued through the uh, Watchtower Attracting Bible Society, or Bible and Tract Society. Uh, in reality, only the 144,000 best Jehovah's Witnesses of all time will actually live in heaven, and all those spots are already taken. So it's too late for you to get that spot. That's true. That's true. Now, what do you read about the 144,000 in the Bible? It's, it's, it's interesting. It's really easy. Revelation 7, Revelation 14. And you see 144,000 Jewish males of all the tribes being sealed at the beginning of the tribulation, right after the rapture, just at the beginning of the tribulation. And they're going to survive the whole thing, even though most people who come to faith will be martyred during the tribulation. That's what you see in Revelation 7. Revelation 14, you see a preview of the second advent and you see the 144,000 interacting with Jesus after the second advent. They are Jewish males who haven't lived yet, but according to Jehovah's Witness theology, the 144,000 refer to the only humans since 1881 that have qualified for heaven, and there's only that many slots, and they're all taken. Uh, Number two category is worthy Jehovah's Witnesses will live forever on a glorified earth in a physical body. Not a resurrection body, but a physical body. Now, all that stuff's really important. This is less important but interesting to people. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe or celebrate holidays including Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, or birthdays. They don't salute the flag, don't serve in the military, they don't vote nor hold elective office. Uh, They believe blood transfusions are a violation of the law of Jehovah God based on some statements in the Old Testament kosher regulations for Old Testament Jews. They don't read about Romans ten that says Christ is the end of the law for all who believe, right? We'll say more about that in a minute. That's important. And their meeting places are called kingdom halls, not churches. Uh they meet several times a week, uh, at the kingdom hall, but they don't do Bible studies through Romans. If you if you read through Romans consistently with a real Bible, with any understanding, you would never end up being a Jehovah's Witness. If you read the Gospel of John through just with a plain English Bible, that's a good trans, decent translation, you'd never be a Jehovah's Witness. You just, you'd never end up there. You've got to have the organization read it for you and tell you what it means. Uh, now here's the thing. They don't really study the Bible. They study their magazines primarily. They get an exhortation, 30 minute exhortation from the Bible, which is basically something they get from the home office and they spend like an hour studying the magazines on, on Sundays because they want to go door to door and give you these magazines. And the two magazines that they distribute, are called the Watchtower and Awake. Now you can tell and these are. I just picked these kind of at random. I picked the one about blood transfusions because I want to say something about that. But uh, the Watchtower there exposed six myths about Christianity. The, the Trinity isn't real. The Holy Spirit isn't a person. Jesus isn't the Son of God. You know, those are three of them. I forgot the other three. But this is not original Christianity. This is a a blasphemy of real Christianity, right? But look at the Awake magazine, Bloodless Medicine and Surgery. That's kind of hard to do, isn't it, Jan, in most cases? Um, uh, this is from JW.org. Do Jehovah's Witnesses accept medical treatment? Yes. Jehovah's Witnesses accept medicine and medical treatment. While we try to take over our bodies and maintain good health, we sometimes quote unquote need a doctor. You don't have to apologize for that. Okay. I don't like doctors. I don't go to doctors. Uh, I mean I like doctors. I have nothing against doctors. Uh, I had my last physical I would have swore it was like a year ago it was like six years ago I'm due for one I'm a melanoma survivor thanks to a doctor but uh, you know I, I just uh, the reason I w- went to dental school and not medical school is I didn't want to spend a lot of time in my life in hospitals so I became a preacher and go to the hospital all the time so God had a different plan uh, some treatments conflict with Bible principles, though, and we reject these. For example, we don't accept blood transfusions because the Bible forbids taking in blood to sustain the body. And they quote Acts 15. That's so ironic, because Acts 15 is the Jerusalem Council where the apostles all get together to make sure everybody understands their flat saying, you don't have to submit to the Jewish Old Testament regulations, spirituality, and training wheel that have been fulfilled by Christ in order to be a New Testament Christian. But they turn that around to say, well, it talks about, so you won't, Gentile Christians, so you won't gross gross out Jewish Christians when you fellowship with them, don't eat at meals any blood products as a result of butchering animals to eat. It's not talking about blood transfusions in the original Hebrew in the Old Testament, nor in the Acts 15. It's talking about eating blood in a fellowship dinner. And Paul says... Technically, that's not unkosher anymore, but don't do it around Jews because it'd be like picking your nose in front of somebody. It's going to gross them out. I'm not sure that's a sin. It's just something I wouldn't do in front of you or hope you won't do it for me. And people say I don't make it practical. (laughs) However, the vast majority of medical treatments do not conflict with the Bible principles, therefore personal choice is involved, and so on. But it's pretty ironic that they cite Galatians and Acts, both of which... Galatians is saying we're not under the Old Testament law. You don't have to pre-qualify before you can believe and be saved. You should believe and be saved, Gentile or Jew, and you're not under the Old Testament law after you believe. But they teach the opposite by citing that verse and then writing a magazine article about it, so you won't actually read the whole book of Galatians. Read Galatians. You won't become a Jehovah's Witness. Read verses in Galatians in their Bible and then read their magazine, and maybe you will. That's That's the problem, see? This is one reason we try to teach the Bible here so that after we're done with 1 Peter, you can read 1 Peter in your Bible and kind of know what it means in context because that protects from all this other stuff. But it's harder work than just having a 30-minute motivational speech every week. All right, this is what's important. Jesus is not God nor the Son of God, but only a human manifestation in the Gospels of what he was before Michael the Archangel. Uh, This means about other things. When I put... Uh, quotation marks, in and, and question marks, I mean, can you believe they're actually saying this? Watch this. You're not going to believe this. I'm going to show you from their website. Jesus was the first person to be born again. Did you know that, Jack? According to Jehovah's Witness theology, Jesus was the first person to be born again, which is weird because he offered Nicodemus to be born again uh, in John 3. But uh, anyway. Uh his death is best example of a person in total submission to Jehovah God makes it possible for us to earn salvation if we'll be in total submission to Jehovah's God based on how the Watchtower Society designs that. Uh, WBTS stands for Watchtower Bible Tract Society. What does Romans 4-5 say? But to the one who does not work, but who believes in Christ who justifies the ungodly, that person's faith, the ungodly person's faith is reckoned as righteousness. We're all ungodly compared to God, no matter how well you try to jump through anybody's hoops. What does Ephesians two eight nine say? For by grace are you saved, which means unmerited favor, or by grace are you saved through faith, which is unmerited favor, it's uh, it's uh, active receptive trust in Christ, not of works lest any man should boast. And Jesus was not physically in his body raised from the dead, only his spirit survived death, and his body was destroyed. This is from their website. I want you to notice that part especially. How's a person born again? When Jesus discussed the subject, he said those born again would be born from water and spirit, which means a physical birth and a spiritual birth. When the water breaks, you're born physically. When you trust Christ, you're born spiritually. That's what it means in context. The verses before and after say that. This expression refers to baptism in water, that uh, followed by baptism with, Looks us again, lowercase h, lowercase. At least they're consistent. See, if you got their Bible, it would be consistent that way. It's wrong, but it would be consistently wrong. I put the the bracket there. Jesus was the first person to be born again. You know when he was born again? When he was baptized in the Jordan River uh, by John the Baptist. I wonder if they know he's not a Baptist. John the Baptist was a Jew. After which God, and they didn't say Jehovah God there, anointed or baptized him with Holy Spirit, lowercase. Jesus was thus born again as a spiritual son with the hope of returning to life in heaven unless he had blown it. But he didn't blow it because he lived a perfect life, and you can too if you'll only do everything Jehovah's Witnesses tell you to do. And, of course, you can't do that. As uh, Romans says, uh, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight, but through the law comes the knowledge of sin, which means we all need a Savior, and it's Jesus, and he's the only one who is the Savior. Uh, when they come to your house, Jack, they're going to want, I've got Jack 1 and Jack 2. I'm gonna, Jack 1 and Jack 2, we're going to go to seniority because he's a little older and a lot wiser than most of us. But uh, when they come to your house, they're going to want to share with you what they've learned that week from their magazines. So that's that's the goal, but it's goal number one. Goal number two is they want you to join them for a Bible study, which will not be a Bible study. It'll be reading uh, proof text from their Bible as they're looking at other material produced by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And the third thing they're doing is whether you're interested or not, they're trying to generate enough merit by knocking on doors because they've got a certain quota. They've got to do so many doors a month. It's like 10 or 15 hours a month in order to stay in the program and have a chance to have a blessed eternity because they've got to earn it by being a really good Jehovah's Witness. And uh, according to them, only 1.2 million American Jehovah's Witnesses do that consistently right now, whereas Pew says there's two hundred and two point five million that claim to be Jehovah's Witnesses, but they're not knocking on doors enough and, and other things like that. Okay, this is from jw.org. I kind of wore out their website this week. Uh, and I want you to see that I'm not making this up. All this stuff I've been showing is from jw.org, right? Uh, here's the study, Bible study program. It's going to answer many questions. It's going to say Jesus isn't God. Holy Spirit isn't God. Uh, God's real name is Jehovah, which is actually a, a, a conventional name to remind Jews not to say Yahweh flippantly, but to say uh, Adonai instead. Uh, which the scripture d- didn't say they had to do that. Uh, so on. what's uh, the format of Bible course? We're gonna to take topics like God or marriage and examine, uh, things. And in fact, to assist us in studying the Bible, we'll use a book, What Does the Bible Really Teach? That's what they're really gonna teach you. One of their, their books. It's, it's, thicker than the magazines. Uh, how much does it cost? It's free. So that's good. But hey, we have free donuts, free parking, and, uh, we and, and a free gospel too. And they don't have a free gospel. There's, uh, is salvation by works. Okay, here's our seven absolute irreducible minimum truth claims of Christianity. Let's review those quickly then we'll see what they're saying. Uh, God is real. He's true. He's triune. He's gracious. Two juniors live. We went through the attributes uh, a couple weeks ago. Who Christ is. He's the second person of the Trinity. He took on humanity without ceasing to be deity. He's the God, man, savior. Who we are, we're all GIs whether you're a military or not. You're guilty with an inability to save yourself. What Christ did, he lived a perfect, righteous life. He died as a substitutionary atoning sacrifice on the cross for our sins, not his. And then he validated that with a literal, bodily, supernatural resurrection. What we must do, salvation by grace received through faith alone in Christ alone. But to the one who does not work, but who believes in him who justifies the ungodly, that person's faith is reckoned as righteousness. What Christ will do, literal, bodily, supernatural, undeniable second advent, And what the Bible is, verbally inspired word of God. God gives us teachers to help and a lot of great material to help and a lot of great websites to help. But ultimately, every believer is a priest and is supposed to be able to read the Bible for themselves. And which is why I like to see Connor in here because you're going to be able to think clearly biblically about Jehovah's Witnesses to the extent you're you're processing this. And if you don't process it well, Jeff, go over it at lunch while it's fresh on their mind. Just walk them through it. Supposed to teach this stuff at home, not just give me forty five or fifty minutes a shot to indoctrinate your children, you know, you gotta teach them too. Okay, what do Jehovah's Witnesses say about these areas? Well, we're saying God is is triune, you know, and has these attributes. They'll say that there's one God and one person, his name is Jehovah. We've already talked about the problem with saying that, technically. Who Christ is? He's the first created being. He created everything else, but God created him, Jehovah created him. And he actually is called Michael the Archangel in the Old Testament, but he's morphed into a human being and just a human being by God in connection with uh, the incarnation, the life of Christ, and the Gospels. Who we are, we are able to save ourselves to the Watchtower Society. Okay, So no guilt, no inability, but total ability. We just need more information and just need to try real hard and get with the program. What Christ did, he didn't die on a cross, he died on a torture stake, uh, but uh, and his death gives us a chance to earn salvation through Jehovah's Witness theology and lifestyle he did not physically rise from the dead his body was destroyed his spirit's alive that's all that's alive what we must do uh, again I told this story but many years ago we had a Jehovah's Witness come to our house and he, I knew he wanted to talk about the magazine article and so I tried to go to John 3.16 or something like that and I thought I'm just going to fly to ask him what Acts 16.30 says and uh, really had I didn't pre-plan it. I just said, hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, what must I do to be saved? And that's a direct quote from Acts 16.30. And as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, you know, I guarantee you, they have pr- programmed him with an answer for that. Because that's, that's an obvious thing somebody's going to throw at him. They, they've got a Jehovah's Witness programmed answer. But he kind of acted like, well, let me, let me kind of summarize it. And he said, and he gave a really smart, o- a sly answer. He said, you've got to obey the gospel. Now, if you mean by obeying the gospel, obey the call to trust Jesus Christ alone, which is the way that terminology is used in the New Testament, he's right. But see, I've got some theological training, so I knew I had to ask another question. What do you mean by that? And he said, eyes wide open open with no trace of irony or impossibility. You've got to obey all the laws and the commandments of the Bible. And I've never heard anybody actually say that. And I just kind of reacted emotionally. I said, you can't do that. And neither can I. You did anybody. You crazy? I didn't say the all crazy thing, but, but I mean, you gotta obey all the laws and commandments of the Bible. That's all. Okay? There's not, but wait, there's more. You know, there's, no, that's all. And I, so that's why I put that. You gotta keep all the laws and commandments of the Bible. Ask Jehovah's Witnesses to find them so you can't get a blood transfusion. You know, a lot of, a lot of Job's Witnesses, very sincere, wonder, good people, honest, Clean, reverent—all the stuff they told us in the Boy Scouts were supposed to be. Most jobs, witnesses are that, if not more. They don't wear the snappy uniforms, though, because um, it's got a flag on it, so you can't wear that, right? Um, but uh, a lot of them have died unnecessarily because they, following the orders, uh, have not received blood transfusion, which is too bad. It's kind of like every 30 seconds, a little kid in Africa dies of malaria, and the pill you need to prevent that costs like 25 cents. And there's got to be a way we can get those pills. If you give the money to the governments, it never gets to the kids. If you get the pills, the government will probably sell it to somebody else, and they'll grind it into something else. But, but it's just it's hard to wrap your brain around that things like that happen. Uh, what Christ will do, he's, he returned invisibly in 1914, but he's going to come back, to destroy all non Jehovah's witnesses, and establish a good place for the second-class Jehovah's witnesses to live on the earth. The 144,000 are, are already in heaven. They're the only ones who are born again. What the Bible is, well, it's the Word of God, which can only be understood by Jehovah's Witness leadership. Now watch this. This is from their magazine. The, 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 the font there is isn't it's, it looks a lot more normal now. I mean, more modern. This is many years ago. But they're talking about the Bible. Look at this. They're talking about Scripture, and they're telling you, you can't understand it unless we tell you what it means. The Bible is an organizational book. And belongs to the Christian congregation as an organization. Now, in their mind, what do they mean? The Watch Tower Bible and Tract Society. It belongs to us. It belongs to the to the uh, bureaucracy. It doesn't belong to individuals, regardless of how sincerely they may believe they can interpret the Bible. For this reason, the Bible cannot be properly understood without Jehovah's visible organization in mind. Now, the guy who founded this, Charles Taze Russell spent most of his life after founding a thing writing a six-volume book called Studies in the Scriptures. Okay, They still use that as their baseline for just about everything except more recent things that have come up since. And he famously said, look, if you have a Bible and you don't have studies with the Scriptures, there's no way you can understand the Bible. If you have studies with the Scriptures and don't have a Bible, you're fine. Ideally, you have both, so you can kind of just read the of scriptures and read this stuff into the Bible. But you don't need a Bible, you just need this. And if you've got just a Bible, you've got no chance. You've got to have what I'm saying this means, or there's no way you're going to understand it. And I would say, yeah, reading Romans just through in the Greek or the English, you will not become a Jehovah's Witness. You will never become a Jehovah's Witness if you read Romans, just Romans in context, or Galatians, or John, or probably any other book of the Bible. Okay, Take this to heart. Although... Whoa, well, there we go. Yeah, I look different. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not vilifying or questioning the sincerity or the human virtue of the vast majority of Jehovah's Witnesses. The vast majority of Jehovah's Witnesses are nice people. They're moral people. They're sincere. They're not a physical danger to anybody. Uh, sometimes how? Because there's almost like no windows in Jehovah's Witness kingdom halls usually which I think is to protect from vandalism because they've probably had a lot of vandalism over the last 150 years, and it's cheaper when you're building a building quickly to do that. Uh, I think a lot of people think they must be doing something sneaky in there because they have no windows. Uh, the Mormons at their temples have some interesting temple ceremonies. Jehovah's Witnesses don't have anything like that. It's not a problem. So you don't have to fear these people. As people, you need, you need to respect what they're trying to do. They're just sincerely wrong uh their system is biblically flawed and spiritually toxic. So somewhere you don't need this stuff. You don't need to buy it. I, I, don't they give the magazines away for free? Because the last time they came and visited me, they tried to sell me mine. I, I said, I don't want it, I don't need it, but uh I got stuff I'll give you. Uh, uh, the members are the a theological cult. Now we when we use the word cult People tend to think of Jim Jones, People's Temple, you take 500 people to Ghana, everybody drinks a Kool-Aid and commits suicide. That's a sociological cult with some religious teaching. Theologians use the term cult as a technical term for a relatively recent organization, historically speaking, that claims to be the original form of the religion. You've got cults in all the major religions, but we're talking now about a Christian, quote-unquote, cult, Jehovah's Witnesses, it's relatively recent, didn't exist until 1881, claims to be the restoration of the real thing that's been lost since the apostles, and yet they clearly deny the teaching of the apostles. So it's, it's that kind of thing. So keep that in mind. Uh, who God is generally, who Christ is specifically, by denying the Trinity, they are forced to deny the deity of Christ, so they have a false concept of God, false concept of Christ. By denying true guilt and inability, they teach people we can and must save ourselves. Salvation is not of the Lord. It's a DIY, do-it-yourself project. But By denying the substitutionary atoning death of Christ and his bodily resurrection, they blaspheme the very core of Christianity. By denying salvation by grace through faith, they reduce Christ to a helper or an example, not a savior. By making the second advent of Christ, an affirmation of their organization, they theologically hijack the whole program of God. And by denying the Bible can be understood apart, can't be understood apart from the organization, they strip the scripture of its authority and chain themselves to human leaders. Other than that, it's a real good group theologically. But it's a problem. And again, when they go door to door, they usually have an older, wiser member who's been around and has kind of heard the objections to it and have flip answers to everything. And you've got a younger one who's being trained. When they come to your door, keep that in mind, and here's what I want you to take home with you, and then we'll be done today. What do you do when they come to your house? Now, a lot of Christians, you know, deacons, elders, sometimes even pastors, they have an interesting strategy. Uh, they, if they see them coming toward their house uh, on a Saturday afternoon, they, they shut the door, turn the TV off, and hide under the couch. Now, to me, that's a coward's way out. I mean... That's a terror. I mean, you've got the gospel. You've got the truth. You know, you know, some of us feel guilty because we don't witness enough, okay? Uh, they're coming to your house. It's your house, James. It's not their house. You have to use their Bible. It's your front porch. This is your chance to share the gospel with people who sincerely are trying to understand God. Now they've embraced a false system that kind of puts blinders on so they can't see it. They're not going to hear the kingdom hall, but they're at your house, you know? So, so do it. So here's a three-step approach. I made this up all by myself. I'm be courteous. Uh, some people are like, they're rude, crude, nasty to them. You know, at one level, a lot of them like it because the more opposition they face, the more points they make in their system because they're supposed to knock on doors and get the word out. And if somebody's interested in Bible study, that's a bonus. But if nobody responds, that's great too because they're still making the points they need, you know, to be good enough to eventually live on a restored earth. So, don't play in their hands, and you should be nice to anybody. these people anyway. I mean, they're sincere, especially the younger one there is trying to figure this thing out. So be courteous, because how you act is important. I tend to be a little sarcastic when I'm trying to make a point, because it always worked on me when my dad did it to me, and then I listen to these tapes, and I go, why was I so sarcastic? Because I don't really mean it like that. And I've said that about a hundred times, and you're say, when are you going to start actually listening to what you preach? Uh, I figure if I say it often enough, maybe I will. sooner or later, okay? But that's a problem. But be courteous. And I think Debbie will tell you, I'll talk to them for an hour if they'll stay there, because I'm always thinking, I mean, I want to watch the U.S. If, if the Masters on, maybe I won't talk to them. <laughs> I might make an exception for that. U.S. Open, British Open, I always watch the highlights on Golf Channel. They show it all night on Golf Channel anymore. But she can tell you, I'll talk to them as long as they want to talk. And I'm figuring the longer I'm talking to them, the less time they have for the rest of the neighborhood. So that's good, because I don't think they're going to convert me. Um, And I don't say that because I'm Superman, but just because I kind of understand what the deal is, I think pretty clearly. But she'll tell you I'm 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 probably nicer to them than I am to her, you know, most of the time. So, (laughs) yeah. So be courteous. I think that's important. Number two, take control of the conversation. What are they going to want to talk about if they say hello in exchange? Hey, it's nice out here. Boy, it's cold today, or whatever they're going to say. What do they want to do? They want to tell you about one of the articles in their magazine they spent at least an hour that Sunday in the Kingdom Hall and probably more time going over. There's going to be some obscure passage in the Old Testament, you know, uh, Obadiah 121 that they're going to spend to say that something that they believe that isn't biblical is true. And then you're not that, you know, aware of what's in Obadiah anyway. So, you know, it's it's your house, it's your porch, you take and plus, you know they're throwing stuff at you that's not really good. So take control of the conversation and talk about clear teachings of Scripture. Because you need to expose both of them. If you believe in the power of the Word like I do, and you don't need studies in the Scripture, the six volumes, to know what it means, you know, commentaries are fine, but those are tertiary-level guides. You know, they're not the thing. Uh, you've got the truth. If you know John three sixteen, you know enough to witness to Jehovah's witness. You know enough to witness to anybody. Okay, now real quick, go to John three sixteen and notice really you say, Hey, I know you want to talk about Obadiah one, or I know you want to talk about Ezekiel thirty seven, but uh you know, just real quick, let's look at do a little Bible study here on my porch and I'm gonna use my Bible if you don't mind. And really even if you do, i 'cause I'm gonna use anyone, uh you know, that's what you say. Try to be funny. Usually they don't have a big sense of humor. Uh which kind of, and listen, I don't say, I'm a Christian, get out of here, be gone, you know, or, I'm a preacher, you're probably not going to convert me. You know, sometimes reluctantly, they kind of, are you a preacher? You know, how can they tell? You know, it's, it's bad, man, when I mean, you've been it this long. I, mean, I can walk in a room. I guess I just look so tired and old. I think he's got to be a preacher, right? Um. yeah, John 3.16. Uh, it doesn't say Jehovah there, but I would say, don't just read that. Read 14 through 18, and then 0, and and 16. If you have a Bible, you know John three sixteen, Andrew. You know that. So just say, hey, let's look at a, a, a verse in the Bible that I think is really, really important. And there are three things John three sixteen 16 says. God couldn't love you any more than he loves you. God couldn't give any more than he's already given for you. And God says you can have eternal life if you believe in Jesus. But look at these verses. And realize, read your Bible, not theirs, and just say, listen to this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus says, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up on the cross. The wandering generation had been bitten by snakes. They were dying. They prayed for help. Moses said, uh, like God said, we're going to make a bronze serpent. Everybody who looks at it will be saved from the snake bite. A look in faith saves. That's the analogy. It's not... Becoming a good Jehovah's Witness for the next thirty years, and you might make it. It's a look of Christ at Christ in faith. It's an instant uh, thing, born again. As Moses lifted up serpent, Christ is going to be lifted up on the cross. That whoever believes, that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Not just one hundred forty-four thousand. Uh, for God the Father loved the world so much, He gave His only Son. That's His Son. You know, it's not Michael the Archangel. That whoever, and the Greek, says that, Greek text actually says that all the ones who believe. Shall not perish like a fire in the future, but have present tense everlasting life. For God the Father didn't send the Son in the world to judge the world, because we already stood condemned, but that the world might be saved. Not the 144,000, Jeff, but the world, anybody in the world. He who believes in Him is not judged. One who doesn't believe he's all been judged already because he hasn't believed in the Son of God. Do that, then go back to 16 and just pound away at it. And that's all you want to talk about. And you can talk about that for five minutes or an hour, and after they figure you're not going to go to their magazine article, they, they, they will excuse themselves. So that, you know, so you can go back and watch your golf tournament. So it's, it's a win-win all the way around. <laughs> but I mean, look at this not as a horrible chore or something you're intimidated by. Uh, you know John 3.16 better than they do. <laughs> and you need to expose that to them. Now you may have a favorite verse or something, Ephesians 2.89 or something, whatever you want, but I think John 3.16 works remarkably well. And that's what, that's what I would do. So what are you going to do? You're going to be courteous. You're going to be friendly. You're going to take control of the conversation. Don't let them do a Bible study on your front porch based on the magazine article that week. Just say, let me look at, let's look at one clear uh, statement in the Bible. I want to read the context here and then just camp on verse 16 and get after it. Okay. That's what I would do if I were you. Okay. So I don't believe in luck, but I'll say good luck with that. And, um, yeah, they're out there, and Lord willing, next week we'll talk about Mormons that are also a theological cult. They're relatively recent, but 1820 for them. Joseph Smith starts in 1820. They claim to be the restoration of the real thing. They deny all the important stuff from the real thing. So, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you. You've revealed yourself clearly in scripture. The main things are plain things, and they get repeated a lot. And help us to, uh, be assured that we can know these basic truths and defend them. And I pray that uh, we'll not only be able to kind of understand Jehovah's Witnesses a little bit better without fearing them and without uh, uh, disrespecting their sincerity, but we'll also be able to uh, more clearly think through and hopefully live out our faith in Jesus Christ alone as our Savior. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.